Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. You'll find a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you so much. So good morning, everyone. This is our last morning together. Um, <clears throat> it's been a delight, but it'll be kind of nice to rest <laughs> after this long intensive. Um, so as usual, I, I'd like to start with a, just a little check-in. Does anybody have anything they want to share or have that may have come up over the, since last evening? Ah, Rosemary. Um, hi. Um, yeah, I was um, thinking about what Kim said yesterday about being really busy and how to how one might um, apply the shifting during those times. And I had a situation yesterday with um, my business where there was a real snafu and I had to really gear up to fix it and get it done. and during it i would say shifting didn't come into mind but afterwards it did and um it was very helpful because um the the um revving up to fix the problem goes right into my body and and i'm very functional and i get it done but um afterwards when i um did the shifting um it just opened it put the little problem it wasn't even a big one into perspective and um there was a lot more um relaxation in in seeing the broadness of the the whole situation beyond this little piece of it and what i was thinking of was wouldn't it be great to um kind of um adapt this shifting during those times so it, it gets somehow integrated because you you know i know i'm sure many of us know when we have to gear up to you know to focus like that um so anyway that was my my thought it was really really helpful after thank you thank you for sharing that rosemary i think it's really uh important um yeah, because that's when we start, we start maybe thinking about it a little bit afterward, but then over time, as we remember to do it, we can do it a little bit sooner and it can make have a big impact in how we relate, <clears throat> you start relating from shifting instead of um, something else. And um, you can still function, you know, still get get what you need to get done, but that but you're coming from a different, a more spacious place. So that's great. That's wonderful. I'm glad that that happened for you. Kim. So my plan yes, last night was um, not to do any shifting, <laughs> but instead just to do the role. And um, 
Then when we did the exercise about the gut, I imagined it to be about a 10 inch homogeneous kind of mass with a, with a very firm edge. Mm -hmm. And then I was so proud of myself because I shifted and it became 14 inches. <laughs> Still was a hard edge. Um, and as I sat this morning, I realized that that vow not to do shifting was, was like a rationalization because I didn't really, really want to let loose and, and kind of confront any freedom. Then this morning, um, after I took a shower, I looked in the mirror and I looked okay in a way that I've never seen myself look okay again. And then driving, I know we were talking about whether you can drive and shift, but driving, I realized um, that the whole shifting thing, the whole acceptance has to do with once you shift out of this firm boundary, then all of a sudden acceptance. And then as I thought about the the hinge the shifting thing this morning, it seemed like that's what the whole thing was about, is is uh, dissolving this outer edge. And and that was that was really neat um, to do that. And then I was able to go back to the gut and and dissolve that edge and see more of the intricacies inside that thing rather than just a homogeneous kind of beige <laughs> thing. Uh, so anyway, it, it was not trying, it really worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Okay, anyone else? Okay, I got up early this morning and started making some notes and writing my talk for this afternoon and working on this one a little bit. And, and I'll be darned if I didn't leave it at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm convinced it'll be just fine. So we'll see. We'll all shift together and it will be so. Okay, so hold on one second. Okay, so now what we're going to do is this, this another glimpse, and it's going to be the, the shift into freedom. So it's going to be a series of shifts. All of this, there's an introduction to it, but I don't need to go over it with you because we've actually already done this through the senses, but it's structured a little bit differently. So, and I like the way this is structured because we're going to have stopping points along the way where you can just be with certain, I don't want to talk about this too much because then people will start thinking again. <clears throat> and, and that's not what we want to do. So, uh, but it's different levels of mind and then, you know, where you are. So we're going to be going starting from ordinary mind and, and just really understanding what that feels like and then going to kind of the next level where it's the subtle body and you're still kind of in the, um, ego identification. So we're just going to be more deliberate about each different step. So, um, okay, here we go. So I would say, well, should, 
I'd say let's just kind of do our shift together and then um, then then I'll go through this. Okay. So as always, we're, we're comfortable in our seats and um, you're looking but not not really looking just have a soft gaze, like in meditation. And um, we're going to be um, actually we're not going to be unhooking from the mind to start with. So your eyes can be open or closed. And we're just simply being aware of our senses, all of our senses. Hear what you hear. Just notice. See what you see. And notice the activity of thinking in your head at this point. Now we're going to unhook our local awareness from thinking, just as we had before. And we're gonna let it drop down below our neck, through the neck, and into the upper body. We have awareness in our upper body. And we're gonna feel the local awareness, knowing sensation and awareness directly from within your body. So your awareness is knowing sensation and awareness directly from within your body. We're going to stay with this for just a little, a little bit. With this awareness, knowing the aliveness and awareness directly within your upper body. Don't go back up to thought or down to sleep. Now, let local awareness open to the space outside your body. 
simply be aware of space. Let awareness mingle with space. Be aware of open space and then notice that open space is aware. Be aware of open space and then notice that open space is aware. Feel the awareness aware of itself as a boundless, contentless, changeless field of spacious awareness. We'll stay here for a few moments. So feel the awareness aware of itself as a boundless, contentless, changeless field of spacious awareness. Now shift from being aware of spacious awareness to see from spacious awareness. Shift from being aware of spacious awareness 
to see from spacious awareness. Ask yourself, am I noticing spacious awareness or is spacious awareness aware of the thoughts, feelings, and sensations that I formerly took to be me? Am I noticing spacious awareness or is spacious awareness aware of the thoughts, feelings, and sensations that I formerly took to be me? Notice that the spacious awareness outside is the same as the awareness and aliveness within your body. Notice that the spacious awareness outside is the same as the awareness and aliveness within your body. The field of awareness is spacious and pervasive. Feel how the formless, spacious awareness includes all appearances and aliveness within as one continuous ocean of awareness with waves of experience arising. Feel how the formless, Spacious awareness includes all appearances and aliveness within as one continuous ocean of awareness with waves of experience arising. Notice how you can be simultaneously aware outside and within.
Let local awareness search the contents of the body and mind for the location of a witnessing self. When no self can be found, notice the awareness that's knowing from everywhere, nowhere, and here. Let local awareness search the contents of the body and mind for the location of a witnessing self. When no self can be found, notice the awareness that's knowing from everywhere, nowhere, and here. Rather than going back up to thought for words, wait and feel the potential to know from open-hearted awareness. Inquire, what does open-hearted awareness know? Rather than going back up to thought for words, wait and feel the potential to know from open-hearted awareness. Inquire, what does open-hearted awareness know? Feel the boundless, embodied, alert, and interconnected sense of knowing, safety, and well-being.
feel the boundless, embodied, alert, and interconnected sense of knowing, safety, and well-being. Ask yourself, inquire, what is here now if there is no problem to solve? Rather than going back to thought to know the answer, allow open-hearted awareness to know. What is here now if there is no problem to solve? Remain undistracted without effort. Let be. Just let be. Okay, now you may slowly open your eyes if they're closed. Look around the room for a moment. Feel your body. Um, I'd like to know how that was for people. Nelda? First, I want to say thank you. Um, I have never in my life been in this place. And, uh, by this place, I mean absolutely no fear, no trace of fear, 
no sense of fear, no unconscious feeling of fear that I can tell. Um, so thank you. Um, I don't remember where in your beautifully talking us through the steps, um, you used words because there were no, I wasn't hearing words, <laughs> but I was being directed, right? I was hearing words and not hearing words. It was not too. And you said something like letting our awareness and awareness, the awareness, be aware of essentially, I'm going to paraphrase, the union of both our body, our, our sensations and all. And right in the middle of that energetically, all the trees were saying, and us too. <laughs> and all the rocks, all the stones outside, we have beautiful stones and some uh, beautiful in a different way outside of Apamata. Um, walking stones and the rounded stones and the little pebbles were energetically saying us too. Everything was saying us too. And that was lovely. Because all of it, all of it, all of it, it's not just my awareness and greater awareness. It's every tangible and intangible, sentient and non-sentient objects, awareness was uh, tangible and palpable. So thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Maria. Hi. Oh. There we are. <laughs> Hi, yeah. Um, I was just so aware of of kind of the the shifting of play, you know, what I was doing throughout all of that, the kind of dance and fight, a little bit of a fight and a tussle between being in this, the being, the thinking I, the me that wants to solve something or sort something out or has some issues going on, and then going into the the other place and just feeling you know really spacious and kind of really seeing what this being does you know what she gets up to and what you know what's upsetting her where she feels it in her body you know the tension in my forehead you know the the tension in the chest and then coming back to this place and then but just noticing the draw to come back and solve the problem <laughs> you know and get back into you know we need to work this out and then you no know, coming back out to the to the other space and just noticing, you know, just just feeling the sensations of what this being's up to without the thought, you know, where it resides in the head, the tension, where it resides in the chest, and and just but just really noticing that kind of in and outness of it, you know, how there's such a draw to get back into the mind and the thinking, and then to come back out and just how. Um, just let everything drops away, everything drops away, you know, the thinking, the doing, the labels, everything drops away, but then the draw comes back again and and it's there. So it's kind of, yeah, just really noticing that, 
that dance, particularly this week. I mean, I think when there's less going on, it's easier for me to go into that other space and stay there longer. But as soon as something happens, like this week, something's happened and things have ruffled up a bit, the temptation is to come back and stay in this place, the smaller place, you know, the place where I'm thinking and feeling and reacting and, you know, and, and, and it's interesting, isn't it, how when we need to be here the most, the draw here can be the biggest. And then we have to really come back to the practice and the sitting to, to get the space again. So just really noticing that dance. And thank you for that. That was, that was just wonderful <laughs> to do. Thank you. It's really good tracking on your part of what of the in and out and in and out. It's really, yeah, that's really great. Uh, Ed. I'll try to uh, relate this without judgment. Um, because I want to, I want to package it and and have some control over it. But um, two thirds of the way through that, I felt uh, very ungrounded, very uh, head over heels or uh, beyond float. Just <clears throat> so uh, I'm very grateful to to Nelda and Marie for having a different experience. <laughs> I think I'd be terrified if everybody in the room was feeling the way I did. <laughs> um, and and what, I, what I see is I, I, um, I've had a, a day of alarms. Uh, I, I woke and, and I had this thing, a sailor lip, and uh, it was erupting and it needs treatment about every five or 10 minutes. So I'm... I'm attending remotely and uh, that's thank you for the capability um midway through your instruction an alarm went off in my house and it turned out it was a gas leak and so i put on my little i'm not here picture and ran up and uh, tracked it down to a broken pipe in the attic spewing and oh my gosh decided that, um, you know, I'm a good alarm responder, <laughs> but not when I'm in float. And um, so the distance <laughs> kind of brought me back and I found it very, very difficult to bring these two worlds together of my life, which is uh, proficiency and Boy Scout preparation and uh, alarm responder with um, meditator and lover and I felt the ends of that stick were way, way far apart as the exercise completed. And I found a hard time uh, surrounding it with awareness. Uh, I wanted to uh, control. I wanted to just go back to some form of self-calming, like uh, counting or anything else from our, our anyway. So it didn't conclude for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to a break when I can walk and hug a tree and whatever else it's going to take to get grounded again. <laughs> but I don't attribute all of that to um, Locke Kelly's exercise or your artful delivery. I think that the universe just conspired to raise the stakes a bit for me. And mm. I get to see that and uh, know that 
y'all are wonderful, open, kind, supportive friends. And uh, looking into the Zendo from out here is like looking into myself from where I've been practicing for the last week. So it's uh, it's nice to have a, that perspective of both and. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. I'm glad you responded appropriately with the <laughs> gas leak. <laughs> Joel. Ed, I hope that was a once in a lifetime event. I've never had a gas leak in my attic. Neither have I. I just, yeah, I hope, like I said, <laughs> yeah. I hope to never experience it directly and, and uh, that's okay. So uh, I wanna say that over the last couple of weeks uh, while ironing, I've watched several episodes of the Netflix series called Changing, Change Your Mind or, or whatever by Michael Polan, uh, who has wow. a book by that title. And it's about psychedelic drugs generally. And about the, I mean, he just says psychedelic was a term that was coined meaning showing the action of the mind. And that, uh, you know, and he makes, there are people who are investigators who are also meditators and so on. Um, and what is, what just struck me about that is, you know, here we're talking about a, a mode in which our brain operates, in which we are alert, looking for things to be scared about, looking for things that we have to be responding to right now. And, you know, this just occurred to me when kind of uh, we were experiencing and experiencing and experience. And then, and then uh, the question came up as part of the meditation, what would it be like if there were no problem to be solved? What would be left? What is left if there is no problem to solve? And, and it, I put that together with a, something that went by rather quickly in the Michael Poland series, but that, that uh, I think is important, which is that there's, you know, we have this, this thing called the default mode network. I've, pardon me, therapists whom I'm, I'm probably messing this up, uh, but that there, there's a, a apparatus within our bodies and our in our brains and our mind and our whole, whole nervous system and everything else that helps keep us separate, alert, uh, scared, um, ready to act. And that what Michael Polan says is that the drugs that he's describing can short circuit that or, or, or loosen its grip. Uh, and that that's what this activity that we're doing, which I think is, is more valuable long-term because it is uh, a choice that we are making uh, and, and involves our whole self. It's not just, you know, a drug that's taking over for us. But that, but that, that, that activity of releasing from the, the mode that normally has us in its grip normally has us on edge, you know, uh, is such a valuable thing. And, and that, you know, on the TV show, people take psilocybin or they take LSD and they say, you know, I realized everything is aware. 
it's not it's not me that's aware there's awareness and it is rising and falling within me you know just exactly as you were so beautifully reading uh and sharing uh Lori. so i just want to say that there's again i i've been talking about this a lot recently when i've had a chance to give talks but there's a there's a way in which acknowledging what is in our physiology the 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 physical basis of our thoughts uh, and of the structures that determine our thoughts if we don't take a, a, a time to reflect on them and see around them, see past them, see through them. Nevertheless, it, it is, I, I think it's a valuable addition to, to what you're doing, Lori, to, to um, acknowledge that and to use that as a, for, at least for me, as a tool to add on to, to what you're sharing so beautifully. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, that's becoming a very, uh, I won't say common, it's becoming much more frequent, those kinds of clinics working with people with depression and, and anxiety and so forth. And there, I know of two, at least two here in Austin at this time. So, so yeah, it's a thing that people are doing. It's an important thing for a lot of people. <clears throat> Anyone else have something to say? I'd like, oh yeah, go ahead. Just shortly. Um, yeah, as long as you want. And I don't really have like a full um, understanding of this. Um, I probably never will, but the koan, um, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a noise, came up for me. Um, and I had a similar experience to Maria where, where I would, you know, be able to go out a little bit and then notice thoughts. Thoughts are coming up, get a little bit frustrated, sit back in um, just a patience and awareness and then, you know, go back up. And so that was part of my experience. Um, mm -hmm. But I noticed with that koan that, um, and I've never done any koan work like this just kind of randomly came up, but that um, the question is if there's no one there to hear it. And I just never thought of that part of it, like like no one as in no self, which can be like the greater awareness. So if it so the question is sort of like if that um, if that awareness is there to hear it, does it make a noise? Um, so that's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's really interesting. That just popped up in your head. Yeah. yeah. So we've been saying that Maria, Maria has something. Ah, okay. Go ahead, Maria. Hey, yeah. I just, I just wanted to say that. Um, it's just it's just on the back of what Joel was saying, really, and um, and it was kind of like the you know without the drugs and without everything else, it's kind of like if we look at our own biochemistry, because I'm it's like I can I can have like a lot of worry one day, and then the next day I can wake up with like this anxious feeling in my chest, 
And if I don't bring that awareness, do that shift and bring the awareness into those feelings, then thoughts will start to connect with that anxious feeling. And I'll start to get, I'll start to find things, thoughts that resonate with that feeling in my chest. So for me doing the shifting, I always do it first thing in the morning. And, and so that I can recognize, you know, oh, there's that feeling. Oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm starting to add those worrying thoughts. I'm worrying about what I'm doing, what I've got to do today. Um, as somebody that's not so, so well, or, you know, like it starts to add all these different thoughts because it, that resonate. So if we don't do the shift, we end up, you know, I end up caught up in these thoughts that, that belonged to yes, this feeling belongs to yesterday. It's the echoes. You know, it just wants to, the mind wants to pick it up again. So it's kind of shifting helps me to just, ah, there it is. And to stop adding, to not add the thoughts and the monologue or to recognize what I'm doing, you know, or if, if we, we get triggered in the day, it can trigger lots of other thoughts that resonate with that feeling. And we can spin off into all kinds of things that just resonate with that triggered feeling, whether it's jealousy, whether it's worry, whether it's anger, we get triggered and then all the thoughts start. So doing the shift helps us really see, you know, if we get triggered, it's like going to the shift, you know, shift into that space and just feel that sensation and notice what you're doing. You know, that's, and, and you can really begin to, to put a spoke in that wheel that just wants to spin off. Mm. And so it's not just taking drugs that does it, our own bodies produce a chemical reaction to every trigger and reaction we have in the day, which is why we need this Zazen and this practice and to do this, this shifting so that we can really begin to see what, you know, it's really helped me begin to see what it is I do, you know, what, what triggers me, what that feels like in the body, what different triggers elicit you know what different and then what those different triggers and feelings what thoughts are connected to that and other situations that it'll just bring it can bring up a situation 20 years ago a memory or something you know and then i'm ruminating you know so it's kind of really really been um a good practice for me to really recognize you know when i do this and and to catch myself and to really see what this organism maria gets up to you know, and, and all the different connections and thoughts she has to just go into that space and let it all go without all the, you know, just to actually, because sometimes it's like your brain thinks that you've got to, you've got to sort it out and you've got to keep going and you've got to, you've got to keep, you know, but to just, and, and really the practice is just drop. Yeah. But we feel like we have to get to the end of whatever we're doing, but to just drop and fall into that space helps us regain that perspective you know of there's no problems it's what we're doing with it there's difficult situations there's things that cause all this but without going into that space we're going to get so much more caught up and add so much more suffering life gives us enough suffering on its own you know we don't we don't need to add <laughs> everything else to it so that was just what i wanted to add there thank you thank you maria yeah, Rosemary. Oh, um, yeah, I, uh, okay. I just wanted to thank Maria for, um, I do this first thing in the morning. I think it's, it's like a morning prayer. I think that's wonderful. So I just wanted to thank you, Maria, for that idea. Go ahead. Um, something that happened to me that I don't think has uh, happened before 
in this way. Um, uh, let's see where what it was in the awareness part and seeing awareness on the outside and awareness on the inside and then there being no difference and realizing it's all awareness and then things are just arising in it. I mean, we're all arising in it as, a, as you know, these impermanent forms were just arising. And it occurred to me that it, it comes back to something that, um, oh, what was that guy's name that we had here? He's really smart. Um, anyway, hmm. liberating intimacy guy. Anyway, um, Hershock. Yeah, that's right, Hershock. Um, what I was sensing with all of this, everything being awareness and no problem to solve, then what comes up is pure potentiality, you know? So in any particular moment, you have, and we spend so much time, certainly myself, you know, worrying about this and worrying about that and trying to take care of this and that. But in actuality, in any particular moment, there's a potentiality of, of, of anything, of, of, of anything what we can do, you know, instead of the worry, we can come forward as something else, you know, come forward, like the flowers come forward, they just come forward, you know, in all their, in all their beauty. So that was a, that's where I went with all this. <laughs> Lori, if I may say, when I had that sensation and still have it, I love that it's still reverberating around me. That doesn't mean it was replaced as some people think by bravery or bravado. It just meant that uh, it just, it's, I don't want to minimize it because it's wonderful. It, 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 it was like taking a veil off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to be clear. It's not like fear was gone and then I was this, you know. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, it's lovely. It's lovely. Yeah, no, I get it. it. It's like you get to this place where you see. It, it's, to me, it's the true nature of things, actually. Yeah, Kim. One is all, all are one when you realize this, what reason for holiness and wisdom, isn't it all there? Yeah. Yeah. Chin Chin Ming. Yeah, John. Uh, and I've never before like resonated. So before this week, I had never resonated with the analogies of mirrors used in Zen teaching, <clears throat> the Sutra of Winan, the, um, you know, where can dust a light kind of uh, thinking, um, all of the, you know, the polishing a brick to make a mirror or like, you know, you just are a mirror of who or what you're exposed to, whether that be the color of a, the, the floor or the smile or frown or the tears in someone's eyes. Um, I've never actually resonated with that imagery and something about this practice 
um, it has arisen on its own. That sensation of mirrorness uh, <clears throat> has arisen more on its own. And I was reminded of that, that that happened today when you just volunteered what you had said about how there's always, it's every moment is arising and falling away faster than we can process it. And then there's another one that's right behind it and how spacious that is and how with this practice that this awareness thing that I will call I become aware of just just like it's the the arising mirror arising mirror just kind of constantly mm -hmm. but there's no clash of course it's just it's that you know even the light bouncing off the analogy the mirror analogy breaks down really quickly but it's an instantaneous um reflection mm -hmm. of that and even reflection is too 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 you know it's it's more not too than reflection mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. yeah uh, Thank you. Okay. That's all I have to say for right now. Good afternoon. <sighs> okay. So uh, Kim wanted me to put him back together again or something, bring you back or something he said yesterday. And I, I don't know what'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. So um, what I'd like to Linda do- Linda will be very upset if you don't. <laughs> I'm bad. <laughs> okay, so- um, uh, yeah, so I, I want to kind of go back to the beginning again and um, see what we've so we've done and why we've done it and why it might be important. Yeah, that's basically it. <clears throat> so. Uh, this week has been uh well this week has been a journey right and uh, i named the journey embodying the inconceivable so we're just going to look and see if we we've really done that <clears throat> so we started out and by character characterizing the mind or saying the characteristics of the mind um, are that because the mind comes th through the, our own eyes, there's no distinct, there's this, it's, it's all because those two things are connected. Um, the mind tends to say what is reality to us. Um, it, it's, it, it creates separations between things, between us and everything else. I think I've mentioned that a couple of times. And the mind also makes these distinctions about things. This is good, this is bad, this is hot, this is cold. And it's usually in a dual sort of way. Not this, this and not this. 
And it also makes judgments. There's so many opinions flowing through the mind all the time. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's very useful in, in many ways, just in carrying out chores when we have to analyze data or um, pay attention. It's very good that for, for doing tasks. Um, but we're talking about the inconceivable and the mind just doesn't know what to do with that. Um, it, it can't really do it. It, it just, there are no concepts for the inconceivable. It's too, because the minute we start defining things and creating concepts, we've just limited it necessarily. It's got boundaries around it. And the inconceivable by definition is something that you can't really define. You can't, you can't imagine. So the way we've tried to go around that is to not use the mind uh, in these exercises, but rather to tap into the body, to the uh, intuitive intelligence of the body and into its knowing. And it knows in a different way than the mind knows. And so the way we did that <clears throat> is we began to say, okay, we have awareness, we know we have awareness, and we're gonna separate that awareness from our mind so we don't get channeled into separation and judgment and all that other. So we said, okay, we're gonna put awareness somewhere else. And we call it local awareness, and we've put it in a whole bunch of places this week. And we started by putting it into the senses. And more specifically, we were looking at um, each sense and then putting our awareness in, in, say, sight. And then we were looking at things from awareness as opposed to the mind. So we were looking at, looking at it in, a, in the figurative way. Uh, we were looking at um, When we looked at the hand, for example, we were, we were looking at it with, the, with not just looking at it, but we were looking at it from afar and kind of, uh, you know, gazing at it in a soft gaze. And we had dropped, the, dropped our awareness down below the neck so the mind wouldn't come up. And we just, we looked at it and then we dropped it away. And then people had different responses to that. They said, well, it seemed like the hand was still there, but then it was space. There was space there. And so that was kind of an interesting experiment. Our awareness was perceiving, saying, well, gee whiz, if the hand isn't there, but the space is still there. Then we went on to sound. Oh, and also in sight, we compared seeing, looking at someone's face and seeing it in ordinary mind and then shifting and looking at it. And we noticed there was a difference in what we saw. So perhaps the first time 
we didn't really look that closely. Or actually, I think we just saw different things. All of a sudden, joy came up or tenderness came up. This is a whole different thing than you would expect from looking at something. Anyway, uh, then we went to sound and we were listening to the bell and we were watching it through awareness. We slipped into awareness again and then we went, took our awareness to just the sound, not to the hearer or to the object from which it was coming, the sound was coming. And we listened and we put our awareness into the sound. And then we put our awareness in again in the space around the sound. And then we found that within the sound, there was awareness itself. And we also went further with that and said that the awareness has awareness. I don't think the mind could ever come up with that stuff. So then we went on to smell and we did the same thing. We smelled our respective things, oranges and so forth. And we did the same thing. We put our awareness into smelling and um, appreciated that sometimes the smell wasn't constant. And then we found the space around the smell. We put our awareness there. And then, again, we put our, we realized there was awareness in that, in the space around the smell. And that the smell, the awareness had awareness, was aware, is aware. And we did the same thing with touch. Then we decided, I decided, we all did it. We looked at the belly. We dropped into the belly instead of being kind of out into the various senses. We dropped into the belly. It's kind of the heart of a lot of our emotional stuff is in the belly, not for everyone, but for a lot of people. And, and found that there were certain, uh, it can't speak for everyone, but presumably there was sensation there that could be perceived within the gut. And that on perceiving it, we could put 
our awareness on those sensations and then further find space around the sensations. And again, place our awareness in the awareness. And again, finding that there was awareness there and that the awareness was aware of itself. And then the last exercise we did, we started, we didn't use sound or the belly, we just shifted out. <clears throat> and we started just to uh, be with ordinary mind and what it notices. So it's very good at noticing uh, physical and, and mental activity, sensations. And so we, we hung out there for a little bit just to, just to look at it, to be with it. And then we moved to what I'll call this the, the, the subtle body. And that's where we not only had the, um, the body, we had sensation from the body, um, but we also had a certain amount of self-awareness come in. So that came online. And that's still, I, I have a chart that I'll have Maria share with you, or yeah, I guess Maria share with you in a little bit. It shows these different levels um, and the descriptions of them. So from there, we went to um, yeah, so there we went to into awareness, we went into space and into awareness. And we got to this really spacious awareness, awake awareness. Which we had experienced earlier through the senses. And that's where we could really feel the space again, and the awareness <clears throat> of the space. And we stayed there for a good time. And then we moved on further to what there's a label for it, simultaneous mind. And that was the next step where we have awareness of the awareness. And then the last step was actually going into um, open-hearted awareness, where we actually dropped into the heart. And that is generally characterized by bringing online compassion love. 
So these are all different um, capacities of that we humans have, places that we can go. Um, and we can go there at any point in any time. But why is all this shifting important? As Kim asked a day or so ago. So what? We can move our awareness all around. So what? Um, so I want to switch for a minute and just talk about the context in which we live today. Our life in the world right now. <clears throat> and um, I think we can say, just like the Buddha said, that life is full of suffering. That's not all there is, but there's an awful lot of suffering going on right now. So I'll name a few. There's our own, own personal suffering, everyone's personal suffering. And then on a little bit larger scale, we have suffering right here in our, our own city with issues of housing and privilege and race issues and lots of stuff. Then we have issues on the state level, just increase it, more people involved. We have issues of guns being so readily available, a lot of gun violence. We also have the pandemic. We have environmental degradation and climate change and the pursuant fires and floods that are getting increasingly more severe, drought and consequent hunger, migration, mass migration on levels uh, pretty much unknown, I think, before. Um, yeah, murder on the streets, corrupt politicians who refuse to stand up because they might lose their reelections. And then our political issues of democracy being on the edge. <clears throat> And then the, the standard old age sickness and death that the Buddha talks about. So I'm not meaning to depress everyone, just stating the situation that we have and why it might be important, the shifting might be important. So we might ask ourselves, because there's so much going on, what, what can we do? What's our job? And I would say as bodhisattvas, as we I mentioned before, um, we have a vow, we have vowed to liberate others, to liberate ourselves. And so what does that, what does that look like? Um, part of it and part of the task is using wisdom, compassion, care. And how do we do that? When do we do that? And I would suggest we would we do it all the time, whenever we remember to do it. And the way it might look 
is just opening our awareness and looking to see what's right in front of us. Somebody needs the help, helping hand, helping hand with the door. Just simple things of kindness. Starting there. A big part of it is being aware of our own difficulties, our own stuck places, our own reactions to the things that are going on around us. And I would suggest that shifting during these times, it's very, it's not glorious like maybe going into battle. I don't ever suggest that, but at any rate, it's not glorious, but it could have glorious uh, repercussions. Just shifting, shifting out of our reactivity. Just shifting our awareness enough to see what's really going on around us. Shifting our own perspective. Perhaps we have a very tight hold on our opinions about other people, the way things are done. Being with that, meeting it. And part of that, I think, when we, when we meet and work with our fears and our own anger and our delusion, our own hatred, when we clear that we can clear this stuff by holding it in open awareness and meeting it and being kind with it. And in so doing, we're clearing our karma. It's a way of clearing karma, which reduces our own suffering and the suffering that we may cause others because of our own views and behavior. So, um, my conclusion on that is that this is very helpful. Um, it's something that I, I believe uh, wholeheartedly about. Um, and I'll restate what I said the other day. It's, I mean, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of fun for me teaching this, and it's been a lot of fun seeing people shifting and the things that they're opening to is very uh, gratifying to me. Um, but it goes beyond that because of the implication. The implication of suffering being relieved. Perhaps what may seem on a small scale, but it's significant because we all have so much um, impact on others. We can't help it, uh, just being around others. So it's a good place to, to start. Um, yeah. And uh, Kim was asking me uh, something earlier, and I'm glad he brought it up. He was talking about trauma in terms of this, this practice and trauma. 
And my experience with that is it's very effective for, for trauma, for reaching the trauma and meeting the trauma. And sometimes I think it's not possible for a person to do it alone because trauma can be a really fearful place. And so you need someone else that holds the space. But I do think that it's a useful thing to use in that occasion as well. So that's my plug for shifting. Yeah. So are there any questions? Oh, Kim has a comment. Oh, but Monica's. Monica. Yeah. I can't move. Okay, there. Um, yeah, thank you, Lori. Um, just that last comment you met, made, uh, talked about the, for the trauma, when you first were talking about it, immediately I was thinking, well, how would you tell the difference between that and dis dissociation, which happens commonly with trauma? But um, of course, then you went on to say this is something that you would do with a, a professional or a therapist or somebody if you were dealing with real trauma. So anyway, um, I think that, I mean, that's um, fascinating way um, to think about using this. Yeah. And um, so thanks for adding that at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I'd like to say something. Yes. So I was thinking about our line and our four practice principles caught in the self-centered dream only suffering. And part of our delusion, I think, is that we think that the ordinary mind sees things as they are. Ah, uh, yeah. But they're caught in the self-centered dream. And the dream is, it's a dream, this ordinary mind. Mm -hmm. So we really get more to the way things are from this place. It's not like leaving it behind. I mean, it's not, it's not fantasy stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not getting to the nitty gritty. Absolutely. And it has more of an objective view because it's outside. Yeah. You can't really do anything from the inside because you're in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that comment. Anyone else? Oh, Trouty. Oh. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So there was a question. Oh, I didn't hear the question. What uh, is the sequence? Can you hear me? Yes, sequence of? Of this performance. Of the shift. Um, well, it's kind of what we've been doing all week. So we'll do it right now. How about it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So can never get enough of practice. All right. So we sit, get comfortable. And then get uh, just not without looking, just take a, a soft gaze, looking forward, but not looking. 
And then I always start with my hands. So we start here, we start here with the ordinary mind, which is kind of a limited view. This is the enacting of a limited view. And then we just start opening out and we notice what happens when we immediately take our hands away from our face. And so anybody can say what they feel or I can just direct it. Um, I feel uh, less, less claustrophobic. Does anybody else have a word? Free. Free, okay, freer. Great. So then we just continue out a little bit more and then we notice what that feels like. We're just increasing our awareness of more space, actually. The awareness is so much greater than what, what's there between our hands, right? So we're just increasing not our awareness of awareness. We go out a little bit further. What do you notice here? Somebody. I notice a relaxing in my, my head. The muscles in my head just start to relax and feel more spacious. Wonderful. Great. Anyone else? And you can unmute yourselves at any point if you want to make a comment. Okay. So we'll go a little bit more. Yeah, that's good. How does this feel? My breathing's slowing down. And for you, what, what does that mean? It, it means that I'm kind, kind of my thoughts are slowing, my, um, I'm feeling more relaxed and just settling. Wonderful. Okay. So that's where we want to be is more settled. Why? Because we can just be aware. We're not encumbered. Okay, then we go out one more bump just because. Okay. And how does that feel? More flexible. Okay, great, more flexible, terrific. So if you're gonna be talking to someone that you have some difficulty with, would you rather be in your ordinary mind, which is kind of closed in and less free, less settled, or would you rather be out here? I would suggest that being out with being more aware that you could have a conversation that might be a little easier. You already have a bigger container. So whatever happens, you're gonna take it easier because there's more space. When you've increased your awareness, you have more space around whatever it is that's coming up in the field. Does that make sense? 
Joe. Joe. I'm sorry about all the racket. I'll just say it quickly that also in that kind of situation, you are giving a gift of freedom to yourself and to the other person that you are interacting with. You're not keeping them locked into what you think you know beforehand. Excellent comment. Yeah, that's a great comment. And because whatever we're putting out, another person is going to feel it, negative or positive. So that's a really important, important point. So, so what this is about is coming from a place. Where are we coming from? Are we coming from our little self? This is not little self. It's much broader awareness. This is a bigger container. This is coming from a place of peace, no fear, no craving. And when you come, it's like you don't have a arm you don't have an arm arm on you, some a gun or a sword or something, and the people can feel it. Others can feel it. So it's a good place to start having interactions with other people. I mean, everybody, whether they're close, close people or people that are more difficult. So Trouty. Yes. <laughs> so where, where are you coming from right now? I'm in a spaciousness. And in some respect, I probably have been 40% in spaciousness throughout the week. And it made, pardon me? Great, go ahead. Well, it made a great deal of uh, difference because I am supposed to make some big decisions. Um, and of course, it worried me and I grew little and little and little. So um, this, is, this was very, very helpful. I did have uh, some experiences of uh, spaciousness and the larger awareness um, some time ago, but uh, I didn't really know how to reenact it. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was in special places in monasteries and so. <clears throat> so, but they they did not teach us the steps. <laughs> mm like you kindly did. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Yeah, Carolyn. Um, so this is really reminding me of the Bahia Sutta. And I wonder if it isn't just like that teaching, you know, where the Buddha said, you should practice so that in the scene is only the scene and in the herd is only the herd. 
in the cognized is only the cognized. And when you practice that way, there is no you there. There's no you there, here, or anywhere. And, uh, you know, Bahia heard this and he was enlightened. And it just seems like that return to the direct sensory perception as it is, is always this kind of uh, resource for us to shift out of the, the story of the I and me and all of that. Absolutely. So, I don't know, it seems very ancient, although it's kind of got this new terminology of shifting. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And this actually comes from um, Mahamudra. That's where it comes up, which is another branch of, I guess it's another branch of Tibetan Buddhism. There's probably been some variation, but Mark Kelly's teachers were uh, Tibetan and this is part of their teachings. But they're non-dual teachings. So, any other questions or comments? No. Okay. All right then. I guess we'll go into Kenya. I do have a question, but Good. it's not. It's not here yet. Okay. Um, I'll... It has to do with. Um, well, allow me to to wander there. Uh, okay. It has to do with something that we've been dancing around all week, the idea of, oh, I'll go take it back to the driving question, um, just the integration of this into day-to-day um, -day life. And of course, the like fully shifted, like total thought-stopping um, stages of awareness, like that's not a place that you can reasonably operate from or meet someone. Um, but I feel like there's a step, like I'm, I feel like I'm missing the, the shift that shifts into like, oh, there, there you are, you know, kind of the, the, mm. I think, I think probably the one that you're talking about is open hearted awareness. And that's the one where you can, you can, um, you're, you're not just in, you don't want to be totally in form, formlessness. Mm -hmm. um, and totally informed is not what you want either. You want, you want a mix of them. And so open-hearted awareness will carry both of those. And that sheet that I gave you, I have this, a sheet we can kind of look at and they describe the different ones. Maybe you could put it up, Maria, since we're kind of talking about this. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, the, the, the thing about awake awareness, we talk about awake awareness and usually wake, awake awareness is where you're really blasted out. Um, you know, like you see eternity and, you know, you can't really talk, you can't do anything because you're, because you're so far in the formless. So that's, it, it's not real useful. I mean, you can't really relate to people from there. So, um, so there are these other expressions of awake awareness in which um, these other things, the spacious awareness 
has has both relativity and um, I mean the relative world as well as the absolute. But but the um, open-hearted awareness is the one where you know um, you're coming from from the heart, so that so that you have you know the love and compassion in there as well as. Um, you don't you're not coming from the ego identification so i don't want to say that i, I don't want to make one more precious than the other necessarily but that one is the one that probably for relating with other people would be the well, i'm certain that i couldn't I, I, so i think that i've stumbled across that a few times over the course of the week uh, I don't think I could have gotten there without being in touch with the other ones, whether or not I'm actively, you know, the last 30 minutes have, have shifted that way. Yeah. But I, I need like a very palpable, close experience with it to, yeah. to get there. Um, so I guess my question is, um, the, the engineer in me wants a reliable, you know, knob I can turn and, you know, a, flitch, a switch I can flip. Um, but I guess I kind of answered that question, is to stay near to uh, the less, I don't know, like I guess with time and with practice, as things do. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, that situations, things morph, you know, they morph from one thing to another, and it, that things come up as they should come up for the situation. And if I don't wander too far for weeks and weeks without ever shifted once, you know, remembering that, I guess. Yeah, you don't have to know, do this first, do that, except for all you need to know is how to get to the original shift. And then if you're in a situation and you're relating, then it's gonna kind of move. It's a field that occurs between you and another person. And so you're relating in a certain way, but certainly this this spacious awareness is where. Um, well, anyway, I I wasn't even going to bring up these different categories because I don't like people. You know, you can get really stuck on say, well, why is this really? And I I I want to do this, and then start having you know grasping about it and stuff. So I just put it in here just because I think it's interesting information to kind of understand how they how he talks about what each thing is because i've been using a lot of different i've been using awake awareness and using uh, spacious awareness i didn't really say what they were because i didn't want to get into all the kinds of things but um but i think it can be useful as long as you kind of take it all as you know just play with it so there's no switch just play with it just play keep with coming it. back yeah. keep coming back yeah. <laughs> Rosemary has a question. Oh, Rosemary. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, this morning when I was sitting, um, uh, awareness was very free and kind of this uh, little thing flying around the sky. It was just very moving further and further out. And what I then realized is that um, it was aware of me and would come back 
would be sensitive to where I needed it to be. So I'm thinking with John, you know, maybe we can trust that as we do some of this, um, you know, I was going to say spacing out, that's not, uh, but, um, you know, branching out further, that it will bring us possibly to the point that's appropriate for the situation. I, I, I agree with that. There's a lot of this. It's, it's, it comes up in meditation, too. Um, ultimately, you come to a place of trust, but you have to do it. You know, I mean, most people don't just give their trust over to anything, right, before they have gotten some experience. And this is no different. Um, the trust, it's taken me about seven years before I wanted to teach this. <laughs> Um, so my, you know, my trust levels, <laughs> I really have to check it out. <laughs> so I think it, it just, um, yeah, it just, just play with it. And I, I think we can say that this, there is a, a field of benefaction here amongst us. What I mean by that is that, um, with this kind of thing, you can trust you need to play with it so you can build your own trust. Can I just say something, uh, Laurie? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, I've been playing with this for a while too. And uh, and I think the biggest thing I've, I mean, I have somebody in my life that I find very difficult and triggers me a lot. I, I get really triggered. I find I'm triggered around this person a lot. Laurie probably knows who I mean. <laughs> and. Uh, it's um and what i found with, with this exercise is that when i get triggered it's almost for now it now it's become a habit to go into shift when i'm with this person it's just automatic it's like i'm triggered and then it's the shift and then i can i can instead of reacting from this place where i'm hurting or i'm feeling a bit bruised i go into this place and i can just be with it i can just be with that with that part of me that's that's bruised and 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 feeling the reaction and it's made me um really aware around this person of what happens to me in that when i get into the spaciousness i can just really be with it and I, what it's also helped me do is see the other person more fully you know like understanding that person and where they're coming from and what it's about for them instead of being in the ordinary mind and caught up in this place where it's just my reaction my hurt and that's all i'm kind of feeling when i shift into the other space i can really see everything i can see that person and me and not not react in a way that well i was kind of reacting internally if you like just kind of hurting but now i can just kind of open that up and give it space and it softens and it, and it just dissolves it's like it, it loses its energy because whatever that trigger is, it has thoughts and conditioning and past and memories connected to it whenever I'm triggered. So when I go into this place, it helps all that to dissolve and I'm just left with the sensation, which then passes quicker rather than being stuck with it all day with all the thoughts and not realizing why I'm feeling, you know, upset and flustered and, you know, and a bit confused about why I feel like that. It's kind of this shifting into the spaciousness helps me see it understand it catch it and let it go a lot quicker 
So, I mean, obviously I don't succeed all the time, you know, I'm human and it's life and, you know, we get caught up, but it helps me to catch it more often and to let go of it quicker and for it not to blight my whole day like it might have done in the past. So that's kind of my kind of playing with it, with, with a person, with triggers, if you like. I find it very useful. If you know you're going to come into a situation with a person that's going to be triggering, usually family members, isn't it? You know, they're very good at triggering us. To kind of just be aware that you have this space to shift into. But there's an option, there's another option. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you so much, Maria. That's really, really helpful explanation. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, okay, if there's not anything else. Uh, I, I'll just give one example for myself. I, um, <clears throat> I've used this a lot in, in just dealing with, um, yeah, dealing with issues around my mom. It's really helped my perspective because I can step back out of it because it was so enmeshed. And uh, it's made a really big difference, really changed things a lot over the last couple of years, despite the fact that she got meaner during that time. <laughs> So it's very, very helpful. Very helpful. So. Yeah, it helps us to see everything that we do, doesn't it? It's rather than just being caught up and hurt and that person's obviously horrible. They're doing, you know, they're, they're triggering us. So obviously it's them. Obviously there's nothing I can do about it. It's just this person. Doing this shift and sitting in the practice really helps us to see our part in it. You know how how the reactions and responses that we, we can do something about it it's it's our stuff and it really helps us to have enough space to begin to unpick that and see that clearly more clearly yeah to see to see just what our our role is in the whole thing what expectations are behind what what, you know, what, what are we expecting from other people mm. are we assuming and so often it's just way off base <laughs> Yeah, ideas. Okay, I think that we can close it down. Is it time to, to sit some more? Um, well, we have. So, we've reached the end. Can you believe it? <laughs> um, so this is the opportunity for at least me to, to uh, say my appreciation to all of you that have come and spent the whole week with me. I really, I really do appreciate that. And I also want to thank all the people that helped with this thing. I, I don't know what I would have done without them. And Kim, of course, who was working on the tech and so was Dan. Um, and then we have John doing monitor and also Kim and then also uh, Ed, Ed Pierce who was doing monitor as well. So um, and, Maria and, and don't forget Maria and Rosemary. <laughs> we did so much on there, man. It, it, it just, um, 
even with the schedule problems, we <laughs> Maria pulled, pulled, pulled us through once again. So anyway, I really, I really appreciate everyone's um, contribution and, and uh, I really appreciate also the people speaking up and, and contributed to, to what we talked about. So that was really, really, really important and I'm really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's, that's about all I have to say. Thank you. And the new book is coming up. Yeah. Lori, I, I want to thank you for, for the, all the time and uh, for preparation and for your knowledge and sharing this with us because it's a, it seems like a tricky subject to teach. I think you did just a fantastic job. I mean, I can speak for myself made it very accessible and thank you for being here for this whole week and everybody that supported you but um really a fantastic and really different kind of retreat than i've ever been in before because of the subject matter um the experiential part of it was fabulous and thank you from the bottom of my heart really really enjoyed it thank you monica learned yeah yeah, I, I can second that. It's just been absolutely wonderful. I mean, I know it was supposed to be a double venture as well. And then because of illness, it turned into a, a single venture, you know, as, as regarding the teaching. So it's just a massive, massive thank you for I mean, I've, I've learned so much and I've shifted and it's just been such a wonderful experience, so rich and so nourishing. And, and the way you teach is just so connecting and um what's the word accessible it's like you know really just just you teach in such a way that it just goes in so smoothly and and it's just so wonderful so thank you so much laurie thank you thank you Laurie. and joel i think joel would like to say something he's got his hand up. i would I, i'm sorry I, I i'm in a place where all of a sudden there's a there's a reflection from a car window going directly into my face. Uh, I, I want to say thank you to Laurie for a beautiful teaching and, and, and her presence and the way she presented the teaching was so, so um, conducive, just as, as, as Maria said, made it so accessible in, in, in something that is not simple. It's really advanced kind of a practice, I think. Uh, but I also want to thank Nelda and Leslie and Maria and everybody I got to talk to and share experiences with. It was, that was a key element for me. The, 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 um, the sharing and the uh, honesty and the, the deep inquiry that people were making over and over again was so important to me. Thank you. Lynn has a hand up. Yes, uh, I wanted to thank you also, Lori, uh, for your uh, your deep presence uh, throughout the week. It was just amazing. Um, and I, um, at one point, you said uh, when we shift into this awareness, this spatial awareness, there is the potentiality of anything. And I wrote that down because I had never heard the word potentiality before, or I, I'm sure it exists, but I just have never heard it. I was just blown away by it. Potentiality of anything. 
So I thank you. I thank you for that hope. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to thank everybody in the Zendo at Apamata for your presence this week. It's just been amazing. The Kenhens were right on. It was, uh, it's like you were holding up the fort. Uh, it was absolutely beautiful. And for everybody whose faces are here, like mine, uh, we held it up as well. And all the people who helped Kim, your, your presence is always so well done and beautiful bell ringing, John and Kim. And um, whoever else helped, if I'm leaving anybody else out, I don't mean to, but obviously the monitors in the room and also Maria, Rosemarie and Maria. And I also wanted to thank Maria for her wonderful webpage, she, or Linktree, I guess it's called Linktree. She is the Linktree queen. <laughs> absolutely amazing uh, what she did with that and she kept adding to it and changing it and it was just beautiful so thank you all it's been a wonderful week thank you we have Ed who'd like to say something thanks Maria and thank you for uh, your weaving together of the electronics of our beings I want to just acknowledge uh, a person that's not on the screen that uh, stole my heart this week, and that's Jay. Her ability to laugh and to feel and to uh, exchange that across the electrosphere uh, was magnificent for me. I, I felt so warmed by her presence in this meeting, and I hope she'll see this in the recording as my thank you. To the folks in the room, um, I've done many silent retreats, and there's nothing quite as intimate as sitting in silence with your eyes closed with other friends to feel uh, close kinship. And so being in the Zendo uh, was so much different than anything I've done with Apamata before, which is uh, electronic and at a safe distance where my mute and my um, blanking screen can hide me. <laughs> When the knee screams out in pain and uh, my neighbor doesn't laugh at me, uh, it's a special community in person. And I'm grateful for John and for Daniel, uh, certainly for Laurie and Kim. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to add on to what you said to, about Jay, Ed. Um, she stole the line of the whole intensive for me when she said, I don't know if I'm shifting, but I can't stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get our collective permission to write that into the, uh, the link tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably the week. Well, except for the cleanup. Yeah, the, yeah. So everyone has to clean up their space now. That's right. <laughs> One of the advantages of being on the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do encourage you to clean up the space around you that you've been sitting in during the retreat, don't they? To partake in some form <laughs> of clearing up mindfully afterwards, just to settle you back in and, you know, into life again, into the away from the intensive. Careful, careful entering back into the, the 
world out there. Was it be kind to them? Or they haven't been in retreat, so. And don't make any big decisions. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good one. Is this a 12 step meeting? What's going on? <laughs> Keep coming back. Don't yeah. make any big decisions. It works. Yeah. All right. Thank you all. See you soon. Bye. Thank you all so much. Bye.